morning. Welcome to Juice in the Morning. Shane is uh, sitting over there on the left side of me. How are you doing today, buddy? Swell. It, just swell? Glad to be here. Glad to have another host on. <laughs> yeah, and another, uh, another yeah. guest. Yeah. You got I'm it. I'm the host. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're working on it. Yeah, um, but today we are joined by um, We Are Libertarians host, Chris Spangle. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing fantastic. This is a podcast that will include some politics because... Shane and I are completely noobs when it comes to politics. I honestly, I can't even tell you who my state representative is, and I know that's terrible. But you're in Indianapolis, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Andre Carson. Okay. Yeah. So, so what do you think about Andre Carson? Andre Carson's a party hack. I mean, like <laughs> like most congressmen. I mean, the the chances are if you have a congressman, they're solid Republicans or solid Democrats because of gerrymandering. Gerrymandering's basically made the, the there's no daylight in between the parties mm-hmm. i mean they're they're andre carson is uh he's one of two muslims in the house which i have no problem with yeah. but republicans would <laughs> uh and then he's he's uh becoming very powerful in the black caucus mm-hmm. so he's he's a uh, i don't know i've met him many times yeah nice guy so what i'm saying is to listeners uh chris spangle is the host of we are libertarians podcast it's very entertaining and it's it's great for me because i have no idea about politics, mm-hmm. and I feel like if I was to follow a party or be in a party, I feel like those the ideals that you um, talked about on your last podcast are kind of the ones that I would follow along. Like I feel like I would be a libertarian if, right. if if I followed politics. Yeah, I feel that most people, if they had heard of a libertarian, would be libertarian. Mm-hmm. I mean, long story short, we are fiscally conservative and socially liberal. Yeah. And and I know that Shane has um, some good ideas when it comes to politics because you feel like things just need to be right. Correct? Oh, I just have – I feel like I, – I mean, everybody feels like they know the difference between right and wrong. Yeah. But I just think I'm, like, very honest with myself about what I think is right. I get maybe like more of, like, a moral compass. Mm-hmm. So I think when I hear something come up that's, like, maybe, um, you know, in the, in the news about, you know, wrong or right, I usually have a pretty clear-cut – uh, way I feel about it, and it usually seems to be pretty like um, I don't know. I don't want to say the same as everybody else's, but I think I don't know. I have a I think I feel like I have a good moral compass. Is mm-hmm. what I'm saying, and and I think that's important when it comes to understanding politics. But like I said, I have no idea. Like so, tell me what a libertarian is. Like a, a, a long or short form, it doesn't matter. Okay, a libertarian is it isn't necessarily someone who is in a political party even. Libertarianism is a political philosophy and the foundation of libertarianism is the individual. So, I believe that the individual is everybody has a responsibility for themselves. Everyone needs to take care of themselves uh and the government is the is oftentimes interfering in the decisions an individual can make. Mm-hmm. So we're not necessarily anti-government. I mean, a lot of libertarians judge themselves by uh, at the absence of government, anarcho-capitalists or anarchists in general. I'm not one of those mm-hmm. people. I believe that in my lifetime there will be government, and so we need to work within the framework of our system to to manage that. But yeah, a libertarian is somebody who believes in individual responsibility first. We believe in free markets. We believe in personal responsibility. We believe that uh, we believe in peace. We're, we're non-interventionists, so we don't 
want to like I don't want to bomb North Korea. Yeah. I think for instance, if you go through your daily life, in what way is North Korea robbing you of personal liberty? Exactly. Like yeah. when you go to work every day, is North Korea interfering with your ability to to work? Is it interfering in your ability to conduct business between two people, to have personal relationships? The answer is no. Mm-hmm. So therefore, why would we go to war with North Korea? Yeah. That being said, we do need to contain them uh, in, in certain ways, mm-hmm. you know, we, I think we, y- you can look at sanctions and a lot of libertarians do look at things like sanctions as acts of war because it's basically punishing them economically. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, we have to make it clear to a country like North Korea, hey, don't, don't nuke us. Yeah. Please. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but he does have a button on his desk and ours is bigger. Right. So once you start, <laughs> once you start adding on sanctions and you escalate the tensions. So what's the best way to deal with a country like North Korea? Deal with it economically. Mm-hmm. And the, the more goods we purchase from North Korea, then the higher the standard of living, that's how we take care yeah. of it. So a better relationship we'll have with them, right? Exactly right. So, where when people think of libertarianism, they think of uh, people who are just Republicans without morals, who are who are fringe peaceniks. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's not the case. I mean, li- there's several different varieties of liber- libertarians. Um, I'm a constitutional libertarian. Uh, I am a peacenik. Yep. I am somebody who looks at North Korea and says, let's trade with them as opposed to let's bomb them. Yeah. And aren't they like super rich in resources? Like yeah. mineral, like something. I don't know what it is. They're, they're a huge uh, outsourcer. They, they outsource a lot of uh, materials to Iran. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- those are we get called Republican light a lot. And there's there's I wouldn't say we're Republican light, but on. Things like tax cuts, for instance, we're very close to Republicans when it comes to uh, tax cuts and limited government and honoring the Constitution. And with Democrats, we're very close on. Now, let me preface this: we're very close to these people on what they say they'll do, not necessarily <laughs> what they do do. Uh, and with liberals, we're very close on per, like privacy. Uh, I I support Edward Snowden. I think mm-hmm. that was a good revelation for us to understand what our government is doing in terms of spying. Uh, for sure, because like ninety percent of the time, I Shane and I've had conversations about like conspiracies and stuff on this podcast, and mm-hmm. you literally we will we will never know what's going on. Right, like with a lot of stuff. Like it, it I'll live my entire life and not know what happened at Area Fifty One so, <laughs> or right. something. So like going that. back to the part where you're like you like you wouldn't mind trading with North Korea. And doing those kinds, do you have any problem with the fact that like that they're just kind of like, I'm not saying as a country, but their government is just kind of what, what I would call just kind of evil. And, oh, they're they're 100 evil. And I don't know <laughs> yeah. that if you'd want to like have ties with a country like that. Yeah, they have um, resources and all that stuff, but I don't. Would would we want to like put ourselves in the same boat with a country like that? Or? At, at one point, we considered China the greatest threat to sure. American security. And there is still a lot of people who believe that China is our greatest uh, threat. And they are there's something called the Thucydides trap, where as one power starts to wane mm-hmm. and another power starts to rise, a, com- a conflict is inevitable between the two. And you, you see this, you know, Thucydides wrote about Sparta waning and Athens taking over and they had a war. And, uh, you know, Britain waning and America taking over in mm. after World War II, there wasn't a war. So it's not inevitable that two powers would clash. But 
as American power starts to wane and China's power starts to grow, we are in danger of having conflict with them. But the reason that they're starting to grow is because Nixon went to China in the 70s and said, instead of treating them as an enemy and isolating them, uh, let's start trading with them. And look at where China is at now. By 2025, they're going to be the world's greatest power. And so when when China was working on a nuclear weapon in the 60s and 70s, the world reacted very much like they're reacting to China now, like to North Korea now. This insane fear of the, the the Chinese government in the '60s was as nuts. <laughs> Mao was as nuts <laughs> as Kim Jong Un, but by opening them to trade, they their economy exploded. And look where China's at now. Mm-hmm. And we benefited from having cheaper goods. Yeah, I just feel like North Korea is, and like their whole country is just. They have this facade that we're you know they're they're taught to t- that we're evil, right? And like. I don't feel like that we'll ever be able to, and it would be very like hypocritical of them to just be like, okay, now we're like trading with them and we're cool with them, and then you mm-hmm. try to explain that to their whole country. So I just, I, and then another thing is, I wonder is if, um, like, it would just be a change of power once they got Kim Jong Un out of there, then maybe whoever takes over the spot or whatever could be more of like a reasonable person that we could talk to, but just the. Just the idea. They just seem like we've already gone off the deep end, and they're just always and forever going to be our enemy. And I just kind of see it that way. I don't necessarily want it to be that way, mm-hmm. but that's just kind of how I see it. I think they're very a very reasonable people, and I spent a lot of the last year studying North Korea. And North Korea is a very – they're very reasonable people. They're very much stuck in the 50s. They're very uh, values-based. They're a very racist country and <laughs> that they believe that they are the most superior race that ever lived. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and that their government, the Un family, the, the Kim Jong, the Kims, essentially, are their savior, their their deity, essentially. Mm-hmm. But I, I I think if you read something like um, "Nothing Left to Envy" by Barbara, somebody, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's it's a fantastic look at what life is really like in North Korea. Uh, we look at North Koreans as brainwashed robots, but these are human beings with the same emotions that we would feel if we were in their situation. Sure. They don't want to eat the bark off of pine trees to survive. Yeah. They don't want to eat sawdust to survive. They want to eat food. And, you know, th- this uh, soldier that just got caught had massive amounts of worms in him. Tapeworms, yeah. Soldier- soldiers are some of the most revered parts of their society. And if they're so far uh, into starvation that they have massive amounts of worms. Yeah. That tells you what the life is like for regular, you know, lower level people in their caste system. So I think that I don't think they're that far gone. I think that they are desperate for salvation. But mm-hmm. it almost seems like to me that there's a, like if we were to try to communicate with a country like that, there's no getting our word past the word of the government yeah. to those people. So then you have the people not ever hearing like what we have to say about wanting to trade or do it. I, sure. I, I don't know what platform I'm talking about. I'm not talking about like talking on the telephone, <laughs> mm-hmm. or, you know, right. what but you know what I'm saying? They're talking to the government and, and you know, hell will freeze over before Kim Jong-un or whatever lets us get any kind of word in edgewise to his people. So and, when they uh, get that brainwashed sense, I'm not saying that, you know, I, I think I don't think that they're bad people and they probably have really, you know, honor and they're, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're good. But when you have someone like that in power, there's just really like 
That's the power. The key word is power. Sure. So, yeah, yeah, a despot so. a despot like Un wants to maintain power. Mm-hmm. And as long as we can find ways to economically enrich the bottom and allow him to maintain power, what ends up happening is that th- if there were a middle class to, to develop in North Korea, then you would eventually see the toppling of the government, mm-hmm. and it would start mm-hmm. to moderate just like China. That makes sense. So it's but that's we, really what it comes down to. And we also have the the gentleman in power that's not going to de-escalate things. Like it's literally he's on Twitter. Like his Twitter exploded like the last couple of days. Like Donald Trump. Trump. Like yeah. it's 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 insane to be on. Like to be honest. Like and it makes me wonder. Like does. I mean, does everybody follow him? Like, does like, I mean, does North Korea follow Donald Trump on Twitter? And- to, to me, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, there was uh, on this week, this morning on ABC News, uh, Martha Raditz is their reporter in South Korea, and they were talking to an old South Korean woman who lived through the war, and she said, you know, I'm I'm worried about Donald Trump being less stable than Kim Jong Un, but at the same time, it's good that someone is telling Un the truth. Yeah, you well, know, it seems like someone that's like mentally unstable has adopted the values of like what it was like in the 50s in America. That's what the whole make America great again thing. They were very like, we don't take no shit. Like getting general a mad dog math, you know, yeah. bringing him in. And he's very like, like, no, it's, it's clear to me that Donald Trump just watched a bunch of war movies from the 60s, like Patton and said, this is what I want my military to be like. Yeah. Exactly. I, I see. Yeah, I agree yeah. with you. Yeah, he's. <clears throat> so so back to okay we've talked we talked about North Korea but I want to get back to like the libertarian stuff because that's what I found you through Twitter and through um just listening to you um via I've you've been on the Bob and Tom show before mm-hmm. right I work there yeah and that's and that's one of like I think that's one of the coolest things in the mm-hmm. world because I grew up listening to that show like from the time that I could remember listening to the radio, that's what we listened to on the, the trip to school. Yeah. Same. Um, so, <clears throat> but when it comes to the libertarian stuff, like you have, you have your co-host, but like, I've heard you have a couple of different people. So, mm-hmm. so what, what got you started in the libertarian, like, I guess demographic or so, whatever. Yeah. So I've been involved in politics for about 15 years. Uh, right out of high school, I started volunteering in the local Republican Party and then went on to volunteer for a congressional candidate in 2004 named Andy Horning. And Andy's actually running for Senate. He runs a lot for, for things. But Andy's one of the biggest influences in my life in that when I volunteered on his campaign, he challenged my beliefs. And my beliefs were everything Rush Limbaugh said on the radio that morning, you know, and uh, and obviously George Bush was in charge. And I, I was very, very much a neocon, very much invested in the war in Iraq and, you know, not enough to go myself, but, <laughs> but I definitely supported it. And uh, then I started to work at a radio station, got an internship at a news talk station. And between Andy Horning and my my boss, Abdul Hakim Shabazz, the two of them started to pick apart my ideology by questioning what I believed. Mm -hmm. And I started to realize I didn't know what I believed. And I started to do a lot of research and and I was acting as a reporter through that time. And I started to see that the two parties just didn't uh, follow through on what they believed. 
and started to really question the entire political structure and everything I had been taught mm-hmm. as because I was a political junkie going back to ten. Yeah, and which is crazy. Yeah, for for like just to let you guys know, like when I was ten years old, eleven years old, I was not thinking about that. Yeah. I was literally thinking about what I was like going to get, what juice cars. box I was going to get. I was, I was, I remember uh, like sitting in the car, not going into a movie. My mom wouldn't let me stay home to watch the impeachment trial. So I got, I sat in the car listening to the impeachment trial while they went to a movie. Uh, <laughs> That's dedication. Yeah. So I, I just remember watching in 93, the inauguration with, uh, in 96, mm-hmm. the inauguration with Clinton and just being enthralled with the pageantry of it all. Mm-hmm. But once I got to, once I got to work with Abdul on a daily basis and was really continually being questioned, I realized I wasn't a Republican. I wasn't a conservative. I held a lot of those beliefs, but I was much more socially liberal. I didn't care. I almost got impeached as the president of the College Republicans in 2004 because I thought Bush's immigration policy made sense and I didn't care if gay people got married yeah. or not. And, and, and it's it's what I've always told people. Like, I don't have a specific party that I follow. And I know this is super selfish, but I literally think about politics. What is going to affect me directly? Right. That's who I'm going to vote for. I don't care whether they, they're Democrat. I don't care whether they're yeah. Republican. And when it comes to me, I feel like I get so frustrated because I feel like it's so smoke and mirrors all the time. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm like, I feel one way and then I feel another way. And like, I continuously am changing how I feel about politics. So, I, you know, that meme where he's just throwing all his paper up in the air. That's how I feel <laughs> yeah. a lot of times with politics. <laughs> yeah. And there's, it's all very complex and there's so much coming at us. I mean, mm. 10 years ago, it just wasn't at this pace. So I yeah. left. I left the radio station and I went to uh, work for the Libertarian Party of Indiana. I worked there. I, I I basically had like one piece of my ideology that I didn't quite have nailed down, uh, and it was the foreign policy aspect. And once I heard Ron Paul in the 2008 presidential debates, that's really where I went, oh, okay, I'm, I'm a libertarian. Mm-hmm. And so I went to work for the Libertarian Party of Indiana full-time as their executive director for the state party. Uh, did that from 08 to 2012. It was a great experience. I got a ton of, you know, on the ground knowledge of what it means to to operate a political party and how politics works at every level. And then I went to an ad agency, then jumped to Bob and Tom. And in that time, I've been doing We Are Libertarian since March of 2012. And uh, that's been a great exercise for me because the greatest way to learn something is to teach something. And the constant study, the weekly study of, you know, preparing now doing two episodes a week, Mm -hmm. I spend 20 hours a week reading and studying, trying to to put knowledge in my head to output good stuff. Mm -hmm. So my ideology just came based out of other people asking me what I believe, challenging me, and then me doing research, trying to figure it all out. Mm -hmm. It is hard now because the news cycle has gone from... I mean, it was weekly uh, ten years ago. Yeah. Now we're at a at a point where Trump has sped the news cycle up so quickly that people just feel like the carousel's moving too fast; they can't jump on it. Well, it's it's what I've I was talking about earlier with the po- podcast, like off the air, where, where I listen to like seventeen different podcasts, try to keep up with them. Right. I I, I wonder. <clears throat> so if you, you know, talking to somebody like me that's like a, a noob when it comes to politics, like how would you even get started? following something because i'm already following you and i'm already listening to you so um like to to be able to i feel like consume all of the the media that's coming at us all the time it's it's almost impossible because working a full-time job you work eight hours 
I usually go to the gym either after or before work, so that's an hour to two hours. I need to have at least eight hours of sleep or I feel like a crazy person. Same. And so then that leaves, what, like three or four hours? And on a small note on the end of that, where do you... Where do you decide who you trust your information from? Exactly. Too? Yeah, and that's where I'm fortunate in that I got I got an early start mm-hmm. because I think it would be very tough if you're trying to you know if you no, no I, 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 let me I'll want, I'll come back around but I'm saying like if you're you know you go through your 20s and you just kind of don't give a, a fig mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if I can cuss you but, can yeah. as much as you want all right yeah. and so you you just don't give a heck and yeah. then you get to your 30s and you go I need to be a grown up now well I should watch the news but yeah. my friends say the news like I really think social media has been a uh, and I'm somebody that has made a career on social media who has built a, a broadcasting platform on social media. I really think that social media is now at a point where it's doing more harm than good. Oh, yeah. I think smartphones are doing more <laughs> harm to our brains than good at this point. Uh, and I, I'm personally trying to moderate my use of, of both of those because I have felt the effects of my brain changing through mm-hmm. social media addiction, through cell phone addiction. And, and, and but to, to add to that, though, real quick, I just have a story of a, of a gentleman like I, I work in a place where I do like I have customer service. So there's there's people that I talk to and I I sit next to them and talk to them and blah, blah, blah. But he's literally scrolling through his phone and saying that social media is doing is a negative right now is true because Facebook and all of those things have algorithms to show you what you want to see. Mm-hmm. So this guy's scrolling through and like reading these stories or headlines off to me. This was when Trump was running for president, president Sorry, I can't talk. Anyways, um, but he was like scrolling through, reading the headlines, and he was like, "Man, that that Hillary, she's just and like he's just like talking about stuff that I feel like is not true at all. It's just clickbait material." Sure. But he's literally like, "That's what Facebook has decided that he wants to see." Yep. So that's he sees like nineteen stories on his timeline about how you know we need to make America great, great again. It's not the best country in the world, and yeah. blah blah blah. It's just it's crazy that it's literally forcing you to see the stuff that you already like it doesn't change your mind at all another thing that's crazy to me is like i feel like i don't know anything but i know enough to know that i see people around me family members and stuff and they'll they'll see something on tv and then that is that is the truth that's Mm -hmm. exactly what's going on and that has forever changed the way that they think about things and that like that's solidified in their mind that this is how it like and they don't Mm -hmm. think in their mind that Maybe what they just told me is not actually 100% correct. And yeah, I study a lot of history, and I, do, I just now look at the majority of the people that I interact with, and this is a very elitist way of thinking, but I just generally think that most people are the, like, if you take it back to Rome, the people who are just, like, the plebs who are just doing doing their daily <laughs> lives, but social media has elevated us all to a point where we think we're all experts in everything, yeah. and there's a great book called The De- Death of Expertise that really, like, dives into this, but but back to who you can trust, I think you... You have to have a, a, it's like, you have to eat your vegetables. You mm-hmm. may lean to the right, but you still have to read, like, mainstream media, and you have to read maybe some left stuff to kind of understand their arguments and see where they're coming from, because you have to, you have to not fall into the binary trap of, I mean, just everything in, in society now is true or false, mm-hmm. left or right. It's all binary. And we have lost the appreciation of some things may be gray. Some things may not be black or white. Some things may not be, you know, this book, for instance, Fire and the Fury that's out right now that has caused such a firestorm. 
I would say I'm 25% through it. I would say that it's probably mostly accurate. Mm -hmm. But I think there are things that are going to be in it that are not true. And that is the nature of reporting. That's the nature of journalism. And so what we do is we take those those 10% of failures and apply that to 100% of journalism. Yeah. And that's a very dangerous way of thinking because that that leaves you open to just following what a demagogue like Trump says. What Donald Trump does is he creates his own reality and says only what I deem worthy is true. Well, that is a very dangerous lane for people to fall into. You have to say, listen, some things that Trump does are good. Some things are bad. You know, like the tax cuts, I felt were good. His t- use of Twitter it could be good, but it's mostly harmful to his presidency. But it is and it's mostly as hell. <laughs> right. What Donald Trump is, what Donald Trump thinks at any given moment, he believes is the truth. I don't think Donald Trump ever lies. I think that Donald Trump has just a view of reality that whatever is on his mind at that moment is the truth, because he is now the president and he has created his own reality. That doesn't mean that you, as a conservative, need to buy wholesale into what he believes. You still have to understand that. He is Mm self-interested, and every human being is self-interested, and this goes back to the individualism of libertarianism. I am self-interested. I'm here today because I want to reach your audience to help grow my audience. Exactly. You are here. You have me here because you want to give uh, a a point of view to your audience. Mm -hmm. You want to talk to – you know, we're we're interacting with each other – through what what libertarians call the natural harmony of interests. Mm -hmm. You get something, I get something, it's transactional. Everybody's happy. Exactly right. And Donald Trump is a very transactional person. He doesn't appreciate that sometimes people may not uh, agree with him. He doesn't understand that because he literally does not have the mental ability to understand that some people may think he's wrong. (laughs) That's insane to think about, but it is true. (laughs) He doesn't, he doesn't have, and this book talks about it and I think it's totally true. And that's like, like this fire and fury book, I would say most of it is true because Mm. it's just, it's a reality that he doesn't agree with. And then his surrogates all have to say, this isn't true. It's wholesale false. Well, no, that's not the case. All this book does is just give a, a very, a uh, clear outline of the first year mm-hmm. and the good and the bad. And so, of course, his surrogates all say, well, it's all bad. It's all bad. Don't listen to it. Mm-hmm. Only listen to us. Well, that's that kind of demagogic behavior is something that's very troubling. Mm-hmm. And that's very reminiscent of, uh, you know, it's very reminiscent of tyrants. Yeah. It, so, it, you know, and I'm not saying Donald Trump is a tyrant because the American system is set up to protect us from that. I think the outrage at Trump is a very healthy thing because it is the, for lack of a better term, the hive mind of the American people saying we reject this this uh, tyrant tyrannical behavior, mm-hmm. uh, and he has his base of twenty eight percent, and that's what he's going to have. But I think if you're if you're diving in for the first time and you're trying to understand the news. Start with the New York Times, mm-hmm. and people on the right are, are, and people on the far left are going to uh, have a, a problem with that. But I would say journalistic media outlets that have an editorial process are, by and large, more accurate than people who don't have an editorial yeah. process. And I include myself in that. Nobody is checking what I say on the air. Exactly. Nobody is fact-checking what I post. And so even though I am a, a political outlet that gives opinion, there is nobody saying, mm, this isn't correct here. Yeah. I'm just putting it out there. And so that makes me less reliable than the New York Times. Mm-hmm. But the New York Times definitely has a bias towards uh, journalism is good, 
Trump is bad. Mm-hmm. And so you do have to kind of dive in to see what the what the right is saying about things like National Review is good. I like uh, Reason Magazine is a libertarian outlet. So start with mainstream stuff and then work your way back. Yeah. I, I do like gathering the idea of gathering ideas from all di- all different sides. Yeah. You said that earlier. And I like that like, you know, if you, you become kind of biased cuz like I've listened to myself like I've just been driving in the car before and been listening to a radio station that was telling me why I should think a certain way. Right. And then by the time I get out of my car, I'm kind of thinking that way because they're good at like right selling that to you so a lot of times i'll go and i'll do some research and i'll like look at the other side of it and then i come to kind of like a middle ground where like okay i believe that but i don't necessarily believe this part of it and i found my like they're like whoever um like the what nine like chicks on the right like that mm-hmm. kind of stuff it's very good at getting me to think one certain way on whatever they're talking about on the radio at the time and then i like get very invested in that idea and then i have to go you know kind of like see the other side of it to get a better clearer sure. view of the whole thing and and the truth is the right is right on a lot of things and the left is right on some yeah. things i've i f- tend to favor the right because i come from the right mm-hmm. uh but I, I i i trust my gut a lot and i think you have to trust your own instinct i think your brain and your heart get in the way a lot of times and mm-hmm. so you really have to go with what your gut says and so like russia for instance do I think that Donald Trump? Uh, listen, I don't like Donald Trump, so it would be in my in my uh, it, my bias should be Donald Trump colluded with the Russians and he should be impeached for it. I don't think that happened. Yeah. I, what I think happened is the left and the intelligence community that he railed against during the campaign and journalists who he railed against during the campaign all took a very convenient common occurrence in a campaign where foreign governments try to try to infiltrate presidential campaigns and they turned it into a scandal to try and bring down the administration through charges of obstruction and perjury. Mm-hmm. And so I think it is it is a wholesale concocted uh, storyline that somebody like CNN spends most of their day talking about. Well, that in and of itself is propagandist. Yeah. When you take something that is they never stop and say maybe the entire premise of this is false. They just buy the premise completely. And that's where CNN earns the title of fake news from Trump is because they are so bought into a narrative, they never even ask themselves, it might be false. Well, I feel at a certain point it stops, like a lot of news stations stop giving you information. Like mm-hmm. it, it goes from, oh, that we're, supposed to, we're supposed to be getting information from this to them just trying to beat home something you know like right. really run. cnn sending me updates on my phone will literally have like a headline of something that i'm like that's complete that can i that cannot be true like, like it yeah. might as well just have a flashing thing that says think this way think yeah, this way exactly think this way. And like it's like, literally sending you that because it stopped being like okay you're not giving me continuous information of what's happening in the world you're telling me the same thing yeah. eight you know seven days out of the week and i'm just continually listening to you talk about different angles of why and since i accidentally clicked on it now cnn is sending me everything about how terrible donald trump is (laughs) right and it's and it's because like somebody like jim acosta the white house reporter should be should not have his job he's not fair and balanced he's not unbiased he's an individual that clearly hates the president of the united states and he reports things with that bias Mm -hmm. and it that's where you have to sit there and go okay i i recognize that all of these institutions have individuals and they have their own incentives and their own bias and just because they have a position of authority it doesn't mean we need to be biased towards authority you know when when these reporters talk to somebody who's in the cia or the fbi they that gives them a better 
credibility in the story. These reporters want the byline. They want the big story. They all want to be Woodward and Bernstein, and they all feel like they are the keepers of truth. And that's just not the case. I think there are people like Maggie Haberman at the New York Times who do a really good job of trying to put aside her own personal biases. I've listened to several interviews with her. I couldn't tell you where she comes down politically. She's you know, having worked as a reporter, I can tell you when you work as a reporter, you're just tired of everybody's bullshit. <laughs> and so your bias is uh, I'm skeptical of everyone. It's not a left or right bias. Well, also, and I think the reason that people say, oh, the, the media is biased towards Trump is because the, the media is just biased against bullshit. And mm-hmm. Donald Trump just says whatever comes to his mind. Whether it's true or not, mm-hmm. and so kind of what I was going to say, like if if a reporter or something is biased, you, everyone can see that. Yeah. yeah, like for the most part, I feel like if someone's really biased and they're not really speaking the truth and they're just saying their political agenda or like pushing their political agenda, you can tell. Yeah. Right, and and we want to talk about like so. There's been a lot of like just comments made, like you know, media is so biased now. Was it ever not? biased no. like was media has media ever not been biased no. like has, has journalism never not been biased it's rushville republican the cordon democrat those papers were wholesale <laughs> outlets for the republicans in the 1800s and yeah. the democrats in the 1800s like the the there's a reason why all these towns had their own independent newspapers 150 years ago and then you know 100 years ago you had yellow journalism you had uh william randolph hearst one of the biggest media publishers a hundred years ago basically push anti-marijuana stories because he owned a lot of uh, forestries to print the news print. Mm-hmm. Basically, he had paper interest, <laughs> and hemp was starting to be used to make paper. And so he said, "Well, listen, you got to get rid of hemp. You got to get rid of marijuana. You, this is bad for your kids." And he propagandized to get rid of. Something that was a major crop here in Indiana mm-hmm. because it was competition. He used the government – he used the the pedestal that he had to basically persuade the government to do something. He used useful idiots in the public who just started <laughs> to believe. you know. And so people don't think that they're being propagandized, but they're definitely being propagandized. And so you really have to examine your own biases and go, what what do I believe? Like, just because you're a Republican, it doesn't mean that you have to believe everything that Donald Trump says. It doesn't mean that you have to believe that everything the media says is wrong. So kind of putting all this stuff together, if you were to tell someone, I know you touched on it, but if you were to tell someone the best, like, kind of like a list of a laundry list of things to do to get the most idea of, like, what kind of political view that you want to have, like, what would you, like, say, like a small list of things that they could do to to figure out what that, like, if they want to. Uh, put themselves in a specific political view. Sure. So what what I have found at We Are Libertarians is the best way to start with people, because we're really kind of an entry point for people, is start with issues of the day. Start Mm -hmm. with the conversations of the day and start picking apart those things, talking about what's bullshit or not, talking about what's actually happening, things like net neutrality. Nobody was arguing what Ajit Pai was doing. They were arguing straw men. Mm -hmm. And that's... that's, that that's not not good. I mean, we we shouldn't be arguing fake stories. We should be arguing what the government can and can actually not do, or should or should not do. Uh, I think you you need to dip your toe in the water and start with um, start with major media outlets, 
And then... Yeah, you mentioned like the New York Times. The New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post. Understand that those are going to be biased towards a certain way. The Wall Street Journal editorial page is always biased towards the right. The Washington Post towards the left. All of them against power, uh, which is not inherently bad. Uh, The Indianapolis Star, for instance, is biased towards clickbait stories. (laughs) So it's not really a good news outlet at all. (laughs) They really are. Um, You know, if... If you're in your local area, somebody like if you're an Indianapolis listener, Abdul's IndiePolitics.org is is always uh, a good place to Howie Politics. Is that Abdul at large? Is that the same? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you start with the major media outlets, but written. Yeah. What I have found over my court over the course of my career is that TV news is usually more. Uh, entertainment more propagandized like I remember in 2007 during the Indianapolis uh, uh, mayor's race you had Bart Peterson who had three million dollars in the bank running for his third term shoe in favorite and you had uh, Greg Ballard who was had a fifty thousand dollars in the bank no support from the party two employees Mm -hmm. and we're talking August (laughs) before the November election (laughs) and uh, Peterson goes and gives his speech about the budget at the city council. And in public comments, Ballard stands up and gives his rebuttal. I'm walking out with one of the Fox 59 reporters. And I said, so how much are you going to use of Ballard's re- reply to what he- Peterson said? And she said, well, my editors decided not to give him free media since he hasn't spent any commercial dollars with us. <laughs> and so because the campaign wasn't giving them any money, they weren't going to report the news. Yeah. And so it, what, I just found that TV news is largely more propagandized than the written word. Mm-hmm. Uh, first and foremost, click the article and read it. Mm-hmm. Like not – reading the article that you comment on on Facebook is like the cardinal sin. Like, that's the number one. It's, it happens all right. the fucking time. So like, ridiculous. And you'll see people comment something that, like, they, they went through it in the article, and then, like, you can just, like, I just want to be like, clearly you didn't read it at all. Yeah, exactly you didn't right. Because it, it was like, it, your point was made null by reading the article. Yeah. Yes. So I think if you just take take the time, it's like starting exercise. Like, you have to, like, if if you if you can only run for 30 seconds, start there because eventually you'll get to a minute, to a mile, to three, 13 it's miles. That's a great analogy. You know, and so when it comes to reading the news and reading books, start with as much as you can stand and then make that discipline more and more over time. I'm just picturing someone going, the, 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 and then like, like right. right. <laughs> Today, June. Right. And I'm picturing like the Rocky music from like the yeah, montage yeah. of working out. Right. Like with running with a book instead <laughs> yeah. or something. Yeah. Right. So I think, um, I think for, for the left, go to the raw story, uh, talking points memo, the Huffington Post. Those are good left outlets. Democracy Now. I listen to Kroll all the time, and he hates the Huffington Post. Of course, because he's he's a conservative, <laughs> exactly. and they're liberal. And then I think if you're uh, on the conservative side, start with National Review, start with the Weekly Standard, start with uh, Fox News. And then I think for libertarian outlets, Reason Magazine is a great spot to find news. Uh, Rational Review Digest is a good place to get a bunch of stories. Um, the Mises Institute, the Cato Institute. So these for uh, progressives, democracy now, I have no idea what Bernie Sanders would read every day. Probably think progress. Yeah. I, I find a lot of what they say uh, interesting. Um, what is the, the – but, yeah, I think you you look at – you just look at these four websites a day. Mm. Um, there's Then there's the kind of 
overarching journalistic political outlets that are not necessarily biased. Uh, the Hill is fantastic. Politico, Axios, A-X-I-O-S. Um, I, I read those daily. Political Wire, I think, is really good. And, like, I think if you just go to, like, Real Clear Politics every day, if you go to Real Clear Politics and Political Wire, that's all you need to read. Yeah. <laughs> like, those those are aggregators. Mm-hmm. And those aggregators will give you kind of a view of all the different movements. Mm-hmm. And so there these... There just isn't a ton of good information out there, so you really don't have to go to a lot of sites. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so you you don't have to do a ton of work. And then, you know, the New York Times, the Washington Post, mm-hmm. you, you, the Wall Street Journal, you really only need to read one of those. So we're not yeah. talking about a ton of work, um, you know. And if you want to jump into podcasts, there's a ton of great podcasts yeah. out there. All those media outlets have good podcasts. For all, the, all those people out there that don't want to do any reading, yeah. there's podcasts. Exactly right. Yeah. Specifically, we are libertarians, right? Specifically. <laughs> I was going to say, I wonder, I didn't know if there's a correlation here, but you talked about Bernie Sanders, and then you also said that uh, libertarianism, there's um, you kind of... Uh, or more about individualism mm-hmm. and like so when i think of bernie sanders for some reason i might be wrong just tell you mm-hmm. I, i'll get your point but like handouts i think about he kind of is he wants to give people you know every um everything you can think of yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then when you and then when i think of what you're talking about i think of like you know you make your own like it's kind of more of like an individual like i don't need handouts i can make this on my own type deal i don't know if i yeah, what what Bernie Sanders wants and what I want are not different. Mm-hmm. Okay, what what the two of us want are regular people to be prosperous and to not be ripped off by rich people. Like I I truly believe that Bernie Sanders when he says it's a crime that nobody was prosecuted for the 2008 crash, he's right. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that <laughs> bankers are are buying off the government to institute rules that favor them, he's 100% right. Uh the the solutions are where uh, uh, someone like Bernie Sanders and I start to disagree, where uh, a lot of Republicans and I start to disagree, um, because I think somebody like w- we should have never let let it get to this point, you yeah. know, where where we should have never created a Federal Reserve, because what the Federal Reserve does is inflates our money. Mm-hmm. And that's why when I graduated high school the average salary was $28,000 for my dad it, in the 70s it was $29,000 you know but a car cost $15,000 for me and $5,000 for him yeah. a house 50,000 and me 150 and that inflation is due solely to the federal reserve and the mandates that it has created for itself and the federal reserve is not a part of the united states government it is a cartel formed by the banks in 1913 for their own interest. That's why the major holder of American debt is the Federal Reserve. It's us. Mm-hmm. So all the, you know, yes, the Chinese have some, yes, the Russians have some, but really it's the Federal Reserve. So basically you're just saying you and Bernie Sanders, you both want the same things and basically you just have different ways of solving different it. ways of different going ways about of it. There. I want prosperity for the middle class and the best way to get there is free markets. I want bankers to be punished and the best way is free markets uh, operating as free markets would, Baron Stearns goes out of business, Lehman Brothers goes out of business, the people that were the bad actors pay the price by losing their job and their wealth. 
and I, I, not not just going to jail. Instead, what we have is uh, uh, in every case, anytime you see a regulation, well, we need when Bernie Sanders says regulation, it's good because it protects people, blah, blah, blah. I look at it and I say, no, regulation is somebody who has enough money to buy a congressman yeah. and buy an executive branch member was able to craft a regulation that favors their business and hurts a young startup. And so government is forcing competition out of the marketplace because of bot interest. Now, Bernie Sanders and I both agree that that crony capitalism is wrong. We just disagree on he thinks that we should do more of the thing that was the problem in the first place. We should have more regulation, which only increases the amount of crony capitalism there is in our system. Right. And I've always done the analogy with – with like no competition and like free market with Madden. So Madden right. Madden in the beginning had competition. There was NFL 2K and there was like other, you know, sport games that you could play NFL football. When they got the NFL license, Madden just kind of like took a dive. Like it didn't get better for like 10 years yeah. because they had no competition. Yep. We're just going to put 2012 on this and the next year we're just going to put 2013 and maybe like tweak a couple different jerseys or something right and it's going to be the same thing so you're never going to get that better product that's why competition existing is the best thing for market because you're going to get a better product yeah and that's that's a fundamental tenet of libertarianism we we've the distillation of what we believe comes down to something called the non-aggression principle it's where your rights end when you start to force me to do something uh, against my will, where you're using the force. Anytime you're initiating force to achieve a social or political goal, that's wrong. So it's if you and I want his wallet and we vote that I get his wallet, <laughs> that doesn't make it not theft. Right. You know what I mean? Exactly, so, yeah. so just because we have the force of the crowd, it doesn't make it morally right for us to steal his wallet. Okay. You're not going to get much when you steal my wallet. <laughs> right. And, and if I want to, for my business, have his money, uh, have rules that divert money from him to me, mm-hmm. it's not fair for me to ask you, the person who has more guns than the two of us combined, to do that. You know, it's so libertarian. Really, libertarianism is a moral extension of what I truly believe. I don't believe that we should use force to achieve these social or moral goals. And what Bernie Sanders is asking us to do is to use violence, essentially, through the threat of being jailed or murdered. Uh, to a revolution, or no? I mean, there's inherent. Here's why government doesn't work. Okay, government is force. Okay, if the three of us are interacting, we're all equal, right? Mm-hmm. And a Madden can be the superior product and it takes off, but you're going to stop buying it because it's not innovating enough. Mm-hmm. If one company that isn't EA starts to develop a better product, then they can be brought down. Mm-hmm. But if it is mandatory to buy Madden, yeah. because if you don't buy Madden, the government says you have to buy this product, then you're going to go to jail or you're going to be fined until you go to jail and that is force right so, so is, that's the so you're saying that's what the problem with government is then yes okay. because you take something like gay marriage once you the solution is marriage should not be uh, uh, something that the government is involved with at, at all, all yeah right <laughs> so once you start to 
say government is in charge of marriage, then people who have different views of marriage start to use the government to force others to believe what they believe. Well, kind of the and same then with that, net neutrality, right? And that makes the other side feel that they have to defend their beliefs, and then it becomes more and more contentious. You yeah. you would never, if I asked you, what do you do? You think that gays should be married? You would say, I don't think the government should allow gays to get married, but you'd never discriminate against a gay friend right right like it's and so it makes us uh worse versions of ourselves where instead of the government outlining what a marriage contract should look like i think we should have divorce contracts do you you think the government is um like at an increasing rate kind of putting in their hand into into matters that they don't have any business being in. Name one product in this room that the government isn't involved with in right. some way. Well, like, that's why I said net neutrality because <laughs> I've like started looking around. Look, like, look around. There isn't one piece of plastic, right. metal, wood, building codes. There isn't one. Does that thing. all go back to just like three or four companies that basically yeah. make everything? Exactly like right. Viacom or whatever it wants to be. But but right. what I was saying about the net neutrality thing is like basically that's like. They, they did something that they they put a hold or, or controlled the internet and that's something that has nothing to do with government and that's kind of what a lot of people and I think myself see as overstepping the, their boundaries as the government so yeah so well government is inherently involved in the internet because you had these major corporations years ago go, have the capital to go buy off local and state governments. Uh, to create monopolies for the series of lines that are laid down. Like I were, I live in an apartment complex and we, we only have one provider for internet and that's because of various local regulations. Yeah. And that, that is the problem. So to me, the problem is not to, uh, ask the Federal Communications, uh, Commission with the FCC, which I, working in the radio industry recognizes one of the greatest offenders of uh, censorship in the on the planet right. having lived through the Janet Jackson era and worked at, in the Jackson I, I mean 10 years ago I asked my boss I said I got in trouble for saying douchebag on the air <laughs> or, or scumbag <laughs> I said uh, what's wrong with scumbag and they go it's a condom I go, who the hell knows that? No, yeah. like, I definitely who, who, don't, who knows know that. that? Like, well, so what are the rules? What can I say or not say? Yeah. We don't, we don't know. It's whatever the government decides is wrong in this particular case. It's, and so right. there's no clear rules. It's rule of man, not rule of law. Another mm-hmm. thing that libertarians are strong on. And so the federal communications, the FCC is, is just not a good arbiter and protector of free speech. So t- in order to fix a government mistake, we're asking the government to correct its own mistake. Right. So what you're saying is it's too hard for the three of us to go to the local, you know, Marion County government and say, we want these rules repealed. That would take too much effort. So we want five people in Washington, D.C. to make the decisions for everyone in terms of net neutrality. Yeah. Well, that just seems like it's much easier to buy off those five people because those are politically appointed people than it is for us to have, you know, to actually use the federalism idea and go to our local governments and say, can we as a local government with these companies craft a solution that makes better internet and makes us more attractive than Toledo or Columbus? And it's really, when I see advocates of net neutrality and and, uh, people who are screaming about what Ajit Pai did, 
I see people who don't want to do the hard work of being a good citizen. Yeah. They want the lazy, easy work of the federal government telling the local governments what they can and can't do. Do you think so, they're discouraged by like, like thinking that they're not, they don't have enough power or that they can never right. see the day where they have to jump through all those hoops to where there would actually ever be even an inkling of a change? Or? Yeah, but that's a bullshit thing, and I'll mm-hmm. tell you why. Because I have the experience of working with local county parties who a video camera showing up in the county commissioner meetings changes the entire tone of the meetings. Like you, you take a local, if you take a local government and you show up to, we had a group called the Rush County Libertarian Party, they would show up to the Rush County commissioner meetings, videotape the whole thing, and they stopped hundreds of thousands of dollars of waste because they were rolling tape on it and putting it on YouTube. That's 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 amazing. They're holding, holding all of them accountable. It, it takes you two hours a month between the five people in your county to save hundreds of thousands of dollars in your county. That's not asking much. No. Yeah. You know, and so people think it's too hard, but it's really not that hard. It's really much harder to make the amount of money you need to buy off a congressman than it is to show up with a video game. Basically, they're just being kind of lazy, and instead of going out and doing any kind of work, they're just saying, uh, man, I really wish these people would make the right decisions. Yes, and and acting helpless when, in reality, it's the illusion of power. I, I started to become a libertarian in 11th grade world history when my teacher stood up at the front of the class and said, you all don't realize, here's how power works. There's one of me, and there's 20 of you. And if all of you got up and walked out of the classroom, there isn't anything the one of me could do about it. But you all think that I have the illusion of power, that you are that you must stay here. But you all could make the decision to change the way that this dynamic works. But you don't because you, you just think that I have the power and you don't. Right. Yeah. And that is very much how our government works. And that is what the Thomas Jefferson quote about refreshing the tree of liberty with the blood of patriots is about. It's about every generation must learn that individual rights and liberty and freedom are protected by them and not somebody else. But don't forget, all of our social medias is pointing to us saying that that's not the case. Right. Because that's because (laughs) people... Saying that you don't have the power. Right. It's because people are pack animals and they go along like there's a very strong sense in our DNA that we... We won't, We don't want to be outcast in a group. We don't want to be rejected by our group, by our peers, because if that were to happen, we would die. But I would almost say for as many as people that are like that, like I can only speak for myself when I say this, but I always have this kind of pull towards the other direction of like noticing things are wrong and like, man, I, I wouldn't mind doing something about this mm-hmm. if I had other like-minded people like myself to go do something about it. And you're kind of explaining to me what it takes to do that and i would have never known yeah yeah and if so you, if you go about doing it then you won't be it's easy outcast. to say you want change but to actually go and do something to to make change is they're like what completely different things people yeah. think that it's hard and people um people think that it's just easier to bitch yeah mm-hmm. like there's there's a book i think it's called the seven hats or something of, of change uh, or th- it's like this book about projects where there's all these different hats. There's the white hat, the black hat, the blue hat, the, you know, and the white hat's the one that's the optimist of the group project. And there's the blue hat. That's the one of innovation. And every person in a group always can wear one of these hats. And the black hat is always the easiest hat to wear because it's the critical one. Mm-hmm. It's the one that says this is going to fail. <laughs> and so our society is just full of people who say that things can't be done. 
And that's human nature. It's not our society. It's just how human nature it's is. It's also it's, easy to stand back and say, oh, mm-hmm. that can't happen. Right. Because there's someone here tra- taking action and trying to do something to make change. Right. And then you have this person over here that's just, it's just easy for them to say, no, you can't do that. You yeah. want to be part of the political establishment? Show up for 10 years and right. you will be. Yeah. It, be an individual that shows up and is reliable and you will make change. Yeah. Andy Bernard, when he wants to be a critic on The Office, this soup is bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> he thinks it's so easy because that's all he has to do is right? tell everybody how terrible it is. So we do a segment, and um, I wanted to kind of get your kind of take on this, but it's called Judgment Day, and okay. it's something that I think is entertaining. We've never been able to um, actually line the audio up perfectly, so I'm just going to do it now. <laughs> Preparation. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Judgment Day I say I'm gonna with that Juice out. and Shane. I always say I'm going to cut out the uh, words, but I never do. No, I liked it. <laughs> so, so Judgment Day is uh, we pick somebody out of our life. It could be somebody that is a public figure. It could be the media. It could be just somebody like at the gas station that pissed you off. Um, but for my Judgment Day, I'm going to be bringing up the people in Oregon pumping their own gas and losing their effing minds over it. Like, like it's literally, it's literally causing them uh, like extreme stress over the situation. And I just think it's hilarious because they've like, have they literally existed this long with a law that states that you cannot pump your own gas? Like how did that, how did that start? I think any state, has a bunch of laws that make exactly like, no sense. It, it's the perfect example of the <clears throat> Stockholm Syndrome that is government, mm-hmm. where you start to believe what your captors tell you to believe, yeah. <laughs> where we all look at it and go, everybody's pumping their gas and it's fine, and they're acting ridiculous, and that's sort of how libertarians feel about things like Social Security. Yeah. We'll be fine without it. We'll mm-hmm. be fine without Medicare and Medicaid. We'll yeah. be fine without these big government programs, but we'll never survive without them. Like, well, we will. <laughs> Somehow, some how long ago they did so, right. so some of these quotes are hilarious i don't even know how to pump gas and i am 62 native oregonian i say no thanks i don't like to smell like gasoline so let me just point out one thing this man cannot p- pump gas but he has twitter and he's <laughs> yeah, commenting exactly. on twitter got it <laughs> and then no disabled seniors people with young children in the car need help not to mention getting out of your car with transients around and not feeling safe this is a very bad idea oh my Grr. goodness <laughs> They actually wrote "gur." <laughs> no, I just I'm just judging these people because it's something that um, we all do on a regular basis. Indiana has never I don't I've never been to a gas station there's that pumped one, your own there's gas. There's one in Greenfield, Swift Swifty, not anymore. They don't, I don't do it anymore. No, but they, when I was like in high school and stuff, they still did that. And I thought it was annoying having to wait on someone else to come pump my gas, and then sometimes you got to tip them, and I'm just like, why don't I just get out of my car? Quit being a lazy ass and put my own gas. And, and the funniest part about the whole situation and the reason I'm judging them is they're just repealing the law that people have to pump your gas. So, right. like, they're not literally taking – they're not telling companies that you have to go pump your gas when you go there. You, it's just an option. People are, are continuously getting so much enjoyment and adding hours of their week just by jumping on any – 
little squam or any little like thing <laughs> that they can jump on that is like, oh, this is wrong. And, and instead of like talking about what we were talking about before, actually going and fighting about something, they're just like, oh, I read this on the internet and I'm mad about this. I'm going to jump on the bandwagon of people that are mad about pumping my own gas. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I look at this and I go, if you asked every one of these people, do you believe in freedom? They'd all 100% would say yes. But then they'll go, I don't want the option to pump my own gas, you know? <laughs> and, like, I, I remember there was uh, – I grew up in Plainfield, and there was a, a gas station on Washington Street that, when I was in high school, would pump gas for you. You could choose the self-service or the the one that they'll pump it for you. Well, I didn't know what was going on when the guy walked up and just started, like, pumping gas in my car. I was so confused. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is really nice. But then I realized I was paying four more cents a gallon. Exactly. And I, I never went back there because yep. I didn't want to pay the extra four cents for something yeah, exactly. I could do. But this at least like laziness at the very, like, at the very bottom of the spectrum, it's just laziness. But yeah. then there was one day where it was really cold, and I had him pump the gas, and I liked the option of it. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. You know? Well, I mean, okay, so with anything, there's a service. Mm-hmm. So if you have the option, great. I get that because if, the, if if someone has a service out there and it's profitable, then why not? Yeah. You can pull up, get some gas. Like the, it's guy cool the, gas, uh, the guy at the um, restroom at like fancy places that like will dry your mm-hmm. hands for you. Yeah, and, like, that guy, man, he makes me feel so like, first of all, I'm someone that never has cash on me. So I always have <laughs> this here. awkward exchange with this guy. He's like, what, what's up, man? Like, how's it going? And like asking me all these questions and like just trying to like talk to me so I'm more likely to tip him. Yeah. And then he like, I like turn around and he startles me because he's got like spray like, like cologne on re- it. No, like soap. He has a soap <laughs> ready to go. And then I wash my hands and he's got the paper towels. I'm like, first of all, I don't want you touching my paper towels with your hands. Right. Shane is pretty. Uh, I'm a little germaphobe. bit of a germaphobe. Right. And then he's like, here's some paper towels and they're all crumpled up. And, I, and then and then I'm supposed to give this guy money. And then when I don't, I get this like look of just utter disgust i'm just like just please stop putting this guy in the bathroom <laughs> well it's it's like blue apron i i have blue apron i love That's it awesome i yeah. had blue apron last night and it, it, yeah i could go to the store and buy all these different ingredients but it's just easier to have them mail this it goes to. back to being like you were talking about earlier like a service like that's a service you're get it's profitable we're both getting things out of it that right. you're getting money i'm getting a service and it right. works out, but when it's when you like you said, the, the, it gives people option thing. That's yeah. fine, but when you're just like when you're throwing a fit because they're like making you pump your own gas yeah. now, then that's so. Absurd. I'm judging the uh, Oregonians. Get your shit together. Pump your own gas. Yeah. So, do you have anybody that you would like to add to Judgment Day? The bane of my existence. The people that comment <laughs> on Facebook without reading the article. I, I mentioned them earlier, I but I get so tired of reading the stupid people on my on my various social media platforms that have an opinion on an issue when they're really ill-informed. Yeah. And I just, it drives me nuts. And just because, let's say, let's say journalism is wrong 10% of the time or biased 50% of the time, the the answer to fixing that problem is just better journalism or better science in the case of science, not ignorance. Mm-hmm. Ignorance is not the way to fix a problem. And so many people are choosing ignorance and choosing to just buy, make up their own reality because they're they're being led by the Donald Trump ideal. I, I just it drives me out, out of my mind. Yeah, can can I? I, I want to add something. So I was clicking on one of the uh, Trump tweets and just reading the comments, and I'm not trying to. <laughs> I'm going to get shit for this. I know I am, but basically. I was reading all the comments, all the people that are in support of him and like trying to like 
like stick up for him. They're all grammatically incorrect, mm-hmm. bad spelling, like can't form a full sentence. <laughs> and I, I feel like I feel like such a dick, but I'm saying that a lot of people that are supporting, like in full support of him, are uneducated, right? And that's that's not nice, but it's it's true. <laughs> it's like that's if you if you click if you click on the click go to Twitter. I'm telling everybody on here who might give me shit for this. Go on Twitter, click on one of his posts, and read the comments supporting him. You'll see what I'm talking about. Yep. Would, would those same comments be seen under a politician that like Hillary Clinton? Or well, no, that's and, and that's what's funny is like on the flip side, everybody that's like talking shit about him are very good grammatic, <laughs> like, gr- like good people, grammar. Yeah, I, I think that you're just well. First of all, I feel like when anyone com like I know when I comment on Facebook about if I ever do, which I very rarely do, which is going to be my judgment day, is that. Um, I make sure that what I'm saying is, is sound and commas and periods and <laughs> see I'm not good with that but I'll at least make a good because sentence. people will like you can't like you look so stupid to me if you were trying to like give someone shit and then you didn't even write a right like a complete <laughs> sentence it, it, I think it really and I've been pushing this on my show uh, I think we have a moral responsibility to make sure that everything that we tweet post say is as accurate as possible because it and i'm guilty of it too i have definitely in my time posted things that i have not read sure. with an opinion just based around the headline mm. like i did it last week <laughs> you know i mean i <laughs> i do it all the time but um it is it, it is something that i'm trying to be better at and i think other people should try to be better at in, in that if you put it out into the world, it should be something that is valuable to the world, that is credible, that is responsible. Because if not, you're you're contributing to an environment that you do can you can influence. Like mm-hmm. social media is like a beehive; it is a hive mind type thing. And if you're contributing to a certain way of thinking that you don't believe or that is not uh, something that you're proud of then you're you're morally responsible for that. Like I think you really have to be responsible with what you publish. Like it's a great gift to live in a country where we can have a podcast and say things against government officials and the government itself and there aren't stormtroopers outside the exactly. door. You know, that's a that's a beautiful thing that we are not punished for the things that we say on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Even up to the point where a person with the power to launch a nuclear war isn't censored. Yeah. You know, Donald Trump is not censored by Twitter for having the power to start a nuclear war and then saying he's going to start a nuclear war. Like, that's how much freedom we have. And it's it's a responsibility that we should protect because it can easily be lost. And you see it in all these hearings on Russiagate and targeting Facebook and Twitter and what are you going to do and YouTube demonetizing people like us. Like, We Are Libertarians has been demonetized. Mm-hmm. And we we are the furthest thing from bomb throwing anarchists or Nazis yeah. or Antifa. I, I agree. You should take some pride into what you're posting on the internet, just because you're somewhere behind a keyboard, and it's easy for you to spew hate or do whatever it is that you're just kind of putting on. You know, that somebody else is going to see that. That's going to affect their day. Even your bad punctuation is going to affect their day because <laughs> it affects my day because yeah. it makes me cringe inside. But what I'm, well, I agree with what he's saying. You should put a little more effort into what you're putting online and, and like think more about the effect that it might have on people's day or or just on their uh, way of their, their beliefs in yeah. general. And and I don't know if it sounds right to you guys or not, but when I see a story that is circulating a lot, 
I intentionally do not read it yeah. because I because I, I don't want to be a part of that hive mind. Like I don't want to be like, hey, look at this. Like I just saw seventeen people share this, and I, I feel like I have to read it now. And I intentionally do that because I'm trying to take myself away from that. And yeah. and I know it's it's tough to do. And then most of the time, I end up eventually clicking on it. So that's that's my, that's my bad. But um, so we're judging people that are commenting without reading the uh, reading the article, and then also. Shane is people that with bad grammar when they're nah. I'm gonna go a little deeper than <laughs> okay. that. Just in the in the sake of since we're talking about social media and stuff, I think that um, just kind of what I talked about, like people just kind of spewing hate and like I just see so much like let's chill out on Facebook a little bit with judging people. It's like I said, it's so easy for people just to write whatever they want as we're judging them on, right now. On yeah, sure. <laughs> Honest, but I'm judging them for judging. Yeah. So I think I'm able to do that. So in a situation where, like, a perfect example the other day, I saw this thing where this um, this lady, for for whatever reason, something happened to her car, and this uh, elderly man's wife just had passed away, and he donated his car to her. Like, she got in the car. She had insurance or whatever. And then I just saw underneath these people just started saying, like, there was a lot of them, like, God bless, that's a great guy. Like, And then there was just every other, every four comments or so, someone that was just like, well, why does he have to give her car to her? Like, why couldn't he just, uh, her insurance should take care of that and like her deductible. And I'm like, you don't know shit about this lady's <laughs> deductible. The guy did a nice thing. He did. He obviously doesn't need the car. Yeah. There's just something good that was put out there and, and there's just people trying to bring it down just and shit, shit on, on it. it. Yep. And like, I just feel like people are so apt to, to be judgmental and go out of their way to like. These are people like I went to high school with. I saw it, and they're just yeah. like trying to bring down this situation. When it why, couldn't you just let it be a good yeah. thing and let that be it? Yep. You had to take it and turn it into something. Let people that was, be happy. Yeah, especially when that like it was all God bless this and that, <laughs> great, and then just nah, like negative, negative. I'm just like wow. So that's what I'm judging those people that yeah. just like when I see things on Facebook and I'm scrolling, and yeah, I cringe all the time. Like oh god, I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> I can't believe you said that. But I'm gonna keep it to myself. I'm not gonna I would comment. Love to live in Shane's head just for a day. I don't. I don't com- think I would. <laughs> <laughs> I've only known him an hour. <laughs> I don't comment on it. And I just kind of leave it be and let those people be what I think I guess is a little ignorant or just, you know, let yep. it go. Just scroll past. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I wanted to uh, kind of wrap things up because we do kind of try to keep it to around an hour. I want you to kind of just, I know you, we've already talked about, we are libertarians. Where can people follow you? Where can they start following you and kind of get involved? Yeah. You can go to, we are libertarians.com, W a L politics.com, Chris com. Those are uh, the three main websites. We look us up on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. You can find the We Are Libertarians podcast and and our other podcasts there. Uh, feel free to look me up on Facebook or Twitter and follow me there, Chris Spangle, like Star Spangled Banner without the D. And it, and it's it's very entertaining to follow you. I enjoy it. Thank like, you. Like um, I did like. I usually don't get nervous when I have guests, but like I was like somewhat <laughs> nervous like having you on because like I said, I, I look at you as like somebody that. I look up to when oh, it comes to you. doing this kind of stuff. So it's just awesome to have you here and Appreciate come, that. come do it. Um, <clears throat> but what I also want to tell the listeners is we're doing a live show February 18th at Legends Bar and Venue in Cheviot, Ohio. 
Um, if you guys get a chance to make it out there, come out. It's awesome. It's I'm I'm super scared, but it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome and it's gonna be fun. We no we did what. we did live podcasts at Morty's Comedy Joint yeah. for a couple of years. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, you, you will be nervous the first time, but once you get up on stage, it's yeah. it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm excited for that. You know, you can follow tw- uh, the Juice in the Morning podcast on Twitter at Juice in the AM facebook just search juice in the morning and uh i appreciate you guys listening and i appreciate you doing the podcast thanks man. thanks for having me what's the how are we going out Shane? you ask me that every time but it's always the same <laughs> uh i hope you guys enjoyed the podcast and hopefully the juice is worth the squeeze yep <laughs> <laughs> Good morning.